0: Welcome to today's program. Today I'm here again with my precious friend Tony Cook who has written a new book on miracles and the supernatural throughout all the centuries. It is so good I wanted to share it with you. We've already seen the move of God in Asia. There was literally a charismatic move of the spirit in Asia which today is modern day Turkey. God really moved there. All over northern Africa, there was a charismatic move of the Holy Spirit, a real Pentecostal move. Then God began to move in Europe, all over Europe. We've seen the writings of Martin Luther. Can you imagine it? Martin Luther saw the miraculous. Or how about John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. He even saw the dead raised. People were healed in his ministry. You don't normally hear about that, but that is a fact. And today we're going to cover a little bit more of John Wesley, and then we're going to move to America, where we're going to see what happened in Jonathan Edwards' meetings. Jonathan Edwards, who wrote the famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I read that but I had never read what you're going to hear today. His ministry was visited with the supernatural presence of God. And then we're going to see how God moved through the ministry of John Wesley and through Fennie and how God is still moving in the church today. God prophesied that in the end of the age, he would pour his spirit out upon all flesh. We're in the end of the age and we're flesh. So we qualify for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to invade your home. He wants to invade your family. He wants to really invade your church and reveal Himself mightily now in the end of the age. And we're going to show that to you in today's
1: program. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick today we're going to see the move of God in America.
0: You're going to hear some things today that I think you have never heard. And by the way, we're speaking to you from the series called Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History. Throughout Church History. It's me and Tony Cook together in these programs, sharing all these marvelous things. It comes in multiple formats with a study guide you'll just love. And we're offering you Tony's brand new book that I want you to have. My friend, we're only going to offer this today. This is the last day. I want you to get this book. So pick up the phone or go to our website, place your order. The name of the book is Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History. And I love the subtitle. It says remarkable manifestations of the Holy Spirit from the first century until now. And I'll tell you, I'm a real reader. I devoured this book. I read it all in one setting and said, Tony, please be on my TV program. I don't know how to share this information. I want my TV family to hear what you have put in this book. He's done all the work. He's laid it out all for us. It will strengthen you to know you're standing on real historical ground when you talk about the moving of the Holy Spirit. And if you need prayer, we're here for you, and we would love to pray for you for a move of God in your life or in your church. But I want to begin today by reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, 6, and 7. Listen to these words where Paul was writing about the Corinthians. He said that in everything you are enriched by him. That word enriched, the Greek word plousias, it really means to be filthy, stink, and rich. He was literally saying, you are so rich with gifts of the Holy Spirit, you are abounding with them. The King James translators translated it enriched. They were wealthy with spiritual gifts. He even mentions what kind of gifts they really had a lot of. He says, in all utterance and in all knowledge, utterance gifts, knowledge gifts. Then he says in verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, And by the way, that's very important because when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in manifestation, they are not to draw attention to themselves. They're to confirm the testimony of Jesus to us. And then Paul states this wonderful statement in verse 7. So that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his definitive statement that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to be working in the church until the coming of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, and I've written a book called "Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit." This book is marvelous. It describes the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what they are, how you can recognize them. I cover the fact that they've always worked through church history. This would be a great book for you to buy along with Tony's book on miracles and the supernatural. But
2: Tony, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Pastor Rick. So So, glad you're here. So good to be with you. So you want
0: to go back to John
2: Wesley? Yeah. Before we jump to America. You know, we're doing this miracles through the century, supernatural work and of God you through so the century. Much. It's marvelous. Thank you very much. Wesley was born in 1703. So that's long after the Apostles. Long apostle. after. And and Wesley saw all these kinds of outpourings and healings. Uh, Wesley even prayed for one guy, a guy named Mr. Myrick, that um, really appears that he was raised from the dead mm. um, by every indication of Wesley's account. We're talking about John Wesley. John Wesley. Who's noted to be the founder Methodism. of the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And he made a statement that I think is worth bringing up. He said, because Wesley was a student of history, you know, great mind, great intellect. And he said, I am not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist either in Europe or America. But I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. Can I read that one more time? He said, but I am afraid they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power, and this undoubtedly will be the case unless they hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. See, Wesley understood all all the way back to the church of Ephesus. Jesus said, if you don't do these things, I'm going to remove your candlestick. And how many churches, organizations, denominations started out in the fire of the Holy Spirit? It's like D.L. Moody said... Every denomination started in revival. But how many groups have started with a passionate burning fervor for the Lord Jesus Christ? And then the next thing you know, a few generations later, a few decades later, yeah, they're not really believing the Bible anymore. They're not, you know, welcoming the Holy There's Spirit anymore. They
0: but they don't yeah, have the power.
2: Yeah, they maintain the formalism, the ritualism, the traditionalism. Well, you know,
0: Wesley said that was his concern about Methodists. Mm-hmm. But that could happen to any group. It applies to
2: every group. Yeah, he, he he's just speaking of his own, but he, he had seen it happen in so many cases. And Wesley also addressed the question, well, why is it that many times, we know that from God's standpoint, God has never withdrawn his gifts from the church. But why is it that in so many churches, they just don't happen anymore? There's a void, there's an absence. And Wesley says the real cause He talked about people's false statements about it. And he says, but the real cause was the love of many almost of all Christians so-called was waxed cold. The Christians had no more of the Spirit of Christ than other heathens. The Son of Man, when he came to examine his church, could hardly find faith upon the earth. This was the real cause why the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Ghost were no longer to be found in the Christian church, because the Christians were turned heathens again and had only a dead form left. I'm afraid that's true of many churches today. It is.
0: Oh, to it, God that that would never be true of us.
2: Yeah, it is very much. But, you know, that human tendency to, you know, discontinue diligence, fervor. Um, one person said it something like this, um, that... It's not that miracles have ceased, it's that miraculous faith has ceased. Hmm. In other words, our faith for the things of God. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul
0: talked about the work of faith. It takes work to stay in faith. Mm -hmm. You have to work at keeping your faith alive. Mm -hmm. And very often people get tired or they say, you know, let's not do that anymore. And little by little, they drift away from what
2: once really worked. Mm -hmm. We have to work our faith. If we want to see the miraculous very much before we jump to America, let me just mention Charles Spurgeon, a famous Baptist preacher considered the prince of preachers. When you read after Spurgeon, you'll never find anybody more eloquent what a wordsmith he was. But Spurgeon, when he was 10 years old, had a gentleman prophesy over him Hmm. that he would preach the gospel to great multitudes. And he he absolutely did. And Spurgeon was a great preacher, exalted Jesus wonderfully. But What a lot of people don't know about Spurgeon is that he operated in the gift of the word of knowledge. The spirit of God would show him I don't mean every time he preached, but uh, he he talked about at least a dozen very specific
0: cases. I have to tell you, when I read this book, and I read what you wrote about Spurgeon, I was stunned.
2: Mm-hmm. He was proficient in very the word proficient. of knowledge. Very proficient. One time, um, he pointed up to a, a part of the sanctuary and said, a man just came in. You've got a bottle of gin in your pocket, your coat pocket. And... A guy had just done that, he came and repented and got saved. Um, Another time, uh, there were just different cases like that. One time he pointed and said, there's somebody up here in this section, you have a pair of gloves, they are not yours, you stole them from your employer. And that guy came and met Spurgeon after the service and repented and, you know, that type of thing. You know, I usually think of the word of knowledge in Catherine Kuhlman
0: or Branham. I would have never connected it to Spurgeon. Right. But
2: Spurgeon really freely moved in that He talks about it in his autobiography. He talks about it happening. And um, now he didn't talk a lot about healing, but um, a gentleman by the name of Conwell, who is the founder of Temple University in Philadelphia, um, a Baptist preacher from way back in the 1800s, was a friend of Spurgeon's. And he went and met with Spurgeon and found out that Spurgeon had a lot of people healed as a result of prayer. Now, Spurgeon, you know, his theology may have been a little bit different, but he, he he said, I'm unworthy of the gift of healing. He just wouldn't, you know, but but the fact is a lot of people got healed. Wow. And um, so, but let's jump to America. Yeah, let's move to a new concept. Jonathan Edwards is who we want to talk about. And Jonathan Edwards preached the famous sermon. <laughs> Sinners in the hands of
0: an angry God. Everybody knows that. You yeah. even study it when you're in high school. Sure. But you don't
2: study what you're about to hear. Yeah. Listen to this. John Jonathan Edwards, um, he preached a lot, even though he's so famous for that one sermon, he preached a lot about the love of God and the mercy of God, but he also talked about the other side. He believed that the law is what brought people to conviction and awareness of sin. um, Isn't that interesting? That's what the Bible says. and, And that grace then points us to Jesus and the answer. So even though he did preach that sermon, he still said a lot about the love of God. But what happened in beginning about 1733 in Massachusetts, New England, is that revival started breaking out in his church. In New England. In New England. Of all places, and not just in in Northampton where he lived, but all around, he documented quite a few areas all around New England where they began <coughs> to have great revival. And um, he said, "This is one of his statements." He said, "The town seemed to be full of the presence of God. There was scarcely a single person." in the town, old or young, left unconcerned about the great things of the eternal world. Mm. And what a lot of people don't know about Jonathan Edwards is they had people, They people would fall under the power of God. And sometimes they would be out in kind of like a trance sometimes as much as 24 hours. And many times when they would come to, they would have had some kind of experience with God. But lives were dramatically changed, dramatically transformed. That's why they called it the Great Awakening. And, you know, again, all these guys like Wesley and Ed, they were so eloquent and Somebody asked him, well, why are people falling down under, they didn't say under the power, but why do people fall out while you're preaching? Here's what he said. Therefore, it is not at all strange that God should sometimes give his saints such foretastes of heaven as to diminish their bodily strength. Mm meaning people would have such a a sense of the presence of God, he said, as to diminish their bodily strength. Tony, I have to
0: tell you, this is very supportive to me because today people fall under the power, people have experiences, and those who don't believe in this take issue with it and they criticize it. But we have really a lot of history to stand on. Yeah. This is how God has regularly dealt with his people. So we shouldn't be surprised if these things
2: take place. Yeah. When... uh, Paul had an encounter, Saul of Tarsus, with Jesus. He fell Fell. to the ground. Revelation chapter 1, John John fell fell at his feet as dead, and so on. And and, um, so, yeah, these things, they happened all through church history. Wesley had it happen a lot, uh, people falling under the power. And um, uh, Edwards, though, he was such a brilliant, brilliant Theologian, scholar. Matter of fact, shortly before he died, they made him the president of Princeton University. Hmm. And um, but he wrote a work called "Distinguishing Marks of a Work of the Spirit of God," because he wanted people to know the difference between the counterfeit, the fleshly, and the real, the genuine. Is all of that in your new book? Yes. Yes, he wrote it in 1741. He went into much more detail, but he said, if it's really the Spirit of God, number one, it's going to exalt Jesus. It's going to exalt Jesus as Lord and Savior. Number two, it's going to work against the kingdom of Satan. He said, you know, Satan promotes sin and fleshly lust and all that. He said a real work of God is going to work against the influence of Satan, he said, number three, this is really important. He said, it's going to stimulate a greater regard for the Holy Scripture. In other words, if it's really the Spirit of God moving, it's going to lead us into the Bible, not away from the Bible. He said, it'll be marked by a Spirit of truth. And number five, he said, if it's really a work of the Spirit of God, you're going to love God more and you're gonna love people more. That was fruit of the spirit. Mm. So, uh, Jonathan Edwards, but then there's Finney in America. Yeah, tell us about Finney. Finney, Finney, um, amazing preacher, had tremendous revivals, again, all over the Northeast. Edwards was a part of what's called the first great awakening in America. Finney was a part of the second great awakening in America. And there was also concurrent to Finney, even a little bit before, was the Cane Ridge revival in Kentucky, where all these people would get together for these camp meetings, thousands and thousands of people, and they'd bring their wagons and their horses, and, and they'd literally camp out. And they had preaching of the gospel, but they had every kind of, you know, falling and rejoicing and celebrating and dancing and shouting and, you know, everything. Um, but Finney, you know, he was much more dignified. He was an attorney, um, you know, New England. So it was kind of the educated, you know, type situation. But as he was getting started, he writes this. He said, um, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me in a, a, a body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. It seemed to come in waves and, uh, and come in waves and waves of liquid love for I could not express it in any other way. See, it's amazing to me. Some people are more intellectually wired than others. Some are more emotionally. Some are more experientially. With Finney being an attorney, he's, he's a very intellectual person. But God met him in a way that was deeply personal and, and experiential. And he had this, he called it, you know, he, he just called it what it was, The the A mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. And did he have the supernatural in his ministry? He had the supernatural in his ministry. One of his early experiences was a man came up to him and said, my wife is about to die. And Finney talked about how that that just struck him. And he said he couldn't shake that and that he went to his room and he said, I began to pray and he didn't use, I, he didn't use the phrase tongues, but he talked about all he could do was groan in prayer, these deep, deep groanings in prayer. And the next morning his that man's wife was healed. You know, Finney went and met the man again and he said, my wife has recovered. And, uh, and Finney totally connected that to this deep, Prayer, not just an intellectual, you know, prayer, but a prayer with the Holy Spirit, you know, fully engaged with Him. But Finney, in his meetings, would often have, you know, hundreds of people just fall to the ground, and um, and it was it was always in conjunction with preaching the gospel.
0: All right, somebody might say, "Well, Finney, that was a long time ago. What about now?"
2: Yeah, well. You know, the whole modern charismatic movement and going back before that, the healing revival of the 40s and 50s, and going back before that, you know, we often talk about Azusa Street. Or the outpouring in Topeka, Kansas. In Topeka, Kansas. Those were somewhat connected, somewhat around the same time. But did you know there were other outpourings in other parts of the world? Did you know that Korea had a a Pentecost And um, right around the same time as the Azusa Street Revival. And you know where it was? It was in Pyongyang. Pyongyang, which is now North North Korea, Korea. Where, of course, you know, there's been tremendous persecution repression but but that Korean outpouring in the early 1900s um, you're still seeing the effects of it in South Korea today where it's not been you know oppressed and stamped out through persecution you
0: know today if you look worldwide do you know how many charismatics there are I've seen the figure but tell me how many over 600 million yeah Yeah, I know it's huge. 600 million people who claim that they've had an experience with the Holy Spirit and they speak with other tongues and they believe in the supernatural moving. Right. Joel prophesied that in the last days, God would pour his spirit out upon all flesh. Uh Well, we really are living in the last days. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh But I want to tell you, God wants to pour his spirit out Uh right where you are. He wants to pour His Spirit out mightily in your life, in your home, in your family, even wants to pour it on your business. God wants to invade your church. There needs to be another great awakening at the end of the age, and the Bible prophesies there is going to be one. Tony, thank you for being with us this week.
2: Thank you. It's been a privilege. It has
0: been such a privilege to be with you. You You're just loaded with information, and wow, it's all in this amazing book. But we're out of time. We'll be back in just a moment, and we're going to pray for you.
1: Were you told that the age of miracles ended with the death of the apostles or that the gifts of the Spirit passed away? If you were taught this nonsense, here is a series that will liberate you and set you free. In this powerful five-part series, Rick Renner and Tony Cook expound on the subject of miracles throughout church history. You'll be shocked to hear that miracles never passed away, not even temporarily. The history of the church is jam-packed with the miraculous work of God throughout the ages. And this series based on history will prove it to you. In Miracles and the Supernatural throughout church history, you'll learn that miracles have never ceased, that the notion of miracles passing away is pure nonsense, that history irrefutably proves God is still in the miracle business. That the Holy Spirit wants to release miraculous power in your life today available in digital or physical format starting at just ten dollars you'll be so glad you invested in this powerful series you can also order the companion book miracles and the supernatural throughout church history by tony cook Rick Renner says, this book absolutely answers every critic's question about miracles and establishes without a doubt that God's miraculous power is still at work in the church today. Every Christian needs to read this book. Don't delay ordering your copy today for just $18. Don't miss this special offer, this series, Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History, and the companion book, Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History. These two together are dynamite. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. This week, take advantage of our two week cyber sale. We're offering a 25% discount on all our resources. That's right, 25% off everything at our Renner.org store. Go to Renner.org right now and save on all your favorite teachings by Rick and Denise. Now is the time to order the products you've been waiting for. Go to renner.org today and save big on books, CDs, study guides, and more. Go to renner.org to order.
2: И мы приветствуем всех, кто с нами через интернет. Мы вас приветствуем интернет-аудитория.
0: now we're offering you our series with me and Tony called Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History. It's just marvelous. It will really undergird your faith. And we're also offering you Tony's book for the last time today. So place your order called Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History. Remarkable manifestations of the Holy Spirit from the first century until today. I'm a reader and I'm a student and I'm telling you this is a book. You will devour. And don't just buy one for you, buy one for your pastor. Your pastor needs to read this. It will help him to be more open hearted to unusual spiritual manifestations. They're really not so unusual when you read what's been happening from the very outset of the church. It continues to this very day. But wow, it's been so good to be with you. Remember, if you need prayer, we're here for you. Ring our phone. Send us an email. We want to put our faith together with you. But Tony and I together are going to pray for you. Can I hold your hand, Tony? Absolutely. Father, we thank you that today you've allowed us to be with our TV friends. And we pray for an invasion of the Spirit of God into their home, into their family, into their business, into their church. Invade your church in these last days, Father, as we await the latest and the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. And I'll see you in the next program.
1: Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.